0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Hey, and welcome to Future Friday. This is your host Tom May. Today's guest is Toby Jag of Red Scare Notoriety. Toby Jag put out our being the Menzingers EP, Hold On, Dodge, as well as our full length Chamberlain Weights. Uh, he's been a close friend and a bit of a you know a guide and an advisor in this uh, music industry that I've found myself in for a number of years, and his. Um, Knowledgeability, his uh, beautiful, outspoken nature, and his infinite curiosity has always been very inspiring to me. And I I, am very privileged to know him. Uh, We had a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Today's episode is brought to you by Enjoy Co Barber. Again, you know I don't live in Portland, but it is a great place, and I want to thank them so much for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, If you find yourself in Portland. Go there and get a haircut i didn't give them much to work with and i left there looking pretty fucking good so uh yeah let's <laughs> say what's up to you guys and without wasting any more of your time here is toby jeg oh wait one more thing i am looking to expand the uh little thing i got going on here i'm looking for one to two people uh, i need a producer to help engineer the episodes as well as someone who's experienced with um, video editing software uh, specifically, the Adobe Creative Suite it would be fantastic. Uh, shoot an email over to Tom at FutureFriday.net, and I'll let you know more about it. Thanks a lot. And here he is, Toby Jack. Here we are. Thanks for doing this with me, Toby.
1: You're welcome, Tom.
0: Here we are on camera on audio. Uh, uh,
1: first question: uh, You're not a cop, are you?
0: I have. To, I would have to tell you, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> is
1: that true? Even <laughs>
0: definitely not. Oh, definitely damn not true. <laughs> uh, I've been asking. Yeah. All right. Years.
1: Okay, good. Because, you know, we're going to get into some shit here, man.
0: Oh, no, for sure. Yeah. I uh, for I thought maybe we could start off by talking about how we uh, not only became friends, but how we started working together. And how So, for sure. anybody who doesn't know, Toby um, owns Red Scare, who put yeah. out uh, a couple records by us.
1: Yeah. When you say owns Red Scare, responsible for the debt of Red Scare.
0: <laughs> yes. On the hook for Red Scare. Yeah,
1: on the hook for Red Scare. Yes, that's true. we uh, have a professional relationship um, in that your uh, band artistic endeavors have in the past been represented by our record label and i'm very grateful for that i think we met um 2008 i yeah. believe at the fest at
0: the fest yeah that's what it was
1: by the time the lawrence arms were playing the fest i had been fl- I, f- I flew in and we were picking people up um and uh, i maybe got in a day early because there were other bands playing nothing too much playing cobra skulls were playing and everyone that came in like i am the Cobra Skulls picked me up from the airport and they were just like, you got to check out this band, the Menzingers, man. They're they're fucking great. I was like, yeah, okay. I I knew about the Menzingers when I worked at Fat Records because Justin August had sent me the demos.
0: Yeah, Justin August, uh, he was one of the first person to find our... I, we, Greg and I would used to post our demos everywhere on like all kinds of message boards and stuff and Justin August had found them and really rooted for us early on with all those like reggae songs that we had on there and everything. Yeah,
1: it was cool. And... I just didn't know what to, I don't even know if I had Red Scare at the time of this, if that's possible, because that would yeah, have been 2004. Yeah, yeah,
0: you had Red Scare, because okay. uh, we, because I remember, and I love about this story is that everybody has a different version of the story, as, oh, as often wants to you know, to like,
1: you know, the success as a thousand mothers or whatever, for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. I remember, yeah, Justin sending me the things, I was working at, Fat. like, so many things, I just didn't really have time for it. Um and things happen. I mean, there's a long list of like things that I have whiffed on in terms of like Red Scare. Add you to the pile. That's fine. <laughs> so yeah, I knew men singers uh when I was working at FAT. Fast forward to 2008 ish eight, and we're at Fest and everyone's talking the Cobra School's picking up these fucking men singers. And the Nutsden guys are like, you know what band, you gotta check out it's the men's singers And then I was actually uh didn't go to your show, but Brendan came back and said, I saw this band. And it's like, let me guess, the fucking men singers? like, I don't know what... what I, <laughs> and it's uh, so like, yeah, they had a singer. He described you as a whirling dervish. Nice. I'll um, take that. That's one of the best compliments I've
0: ever gotten. I yeah, and who I'm, me the,
1: I mean, who, did, he didn't even know about your Lebanese roots either, which no. is kind of a reference to a sort of desert nomad. Like, Yeah, you, totally. Yeah. Uh, That's so, where I channel. So, yeah, by that time... Like and he... You're right. He had got your number, and I had got the number. I know there's a lot of different incarnations to the story about... How the Menzingers made it to Carnegie Hall when they when you guys do the behind the music thing, but my version is the only one that is correct and it's <laughs> very boring. There is like everyone you you guys were uh, kicking ass at that time and and the and uh, it was part of the zeitgeist. Um, and I was talking to you and we had the EP. Uh, it's funny uh, we did the EP and I I didn't realize until a little later that Greg was like yeah you know. Toby just didn't trust us enough to do a record. And that's not really how I thought of it, though. <laughs> but I but I do remember actually saying, like, yeah, you know what? You guys should start with an EP. We that's how I dish. remember
0: it. Yeah, yeah. We also didn't have any—we wanted everything at once. We were, like, what, 20, 21, 22. We just right. wanted to have everything we possibly could. I remember that night, Brendan came up to the merch table so, and we had, you know, a T-shirt design with the True true Romance, we call it. It's so, uh, the guy throwing oh, the puking up. the thing. Yeah, puking yeah. Love. And that's all the shirt we had, and Brendan was like, I need to get that shirt. But I didn't know it was, I was a huge fan of Lawrence Arms, and I just had never seen a picture of them, yeah. um, or had seen them live. And Brendan was like, yeah, my band's playing too, they called Lawrence Arms, and I was like, oh, oh, that's cool. Uh, I was really embarrassed, and, and made kind of a fool of it. But um, yeah, later that night, I remember you were buying us on shots and beers at the place that we played at, which was Market Street Pub at the time? Or it was, was a weird we, place. It's Mother's now, uh, I forget right. what it was called before. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we played there, and that night, the singer, Matt, of Look Mexico, was with us, and he ended up leaving in an ambulance, because he was taking so many shots with us. It's like, pretending that he was in the band with us. We almost killed stuff. somebody that night. We did. We almost killed him.
1: Well, you know, uh, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny. We, we, we did the EP, because... And I never even thought... To me, it's important that bands, like, develop. mm mm-hmm. um, and I know that sounds, like, kind of silly. Something and the guy who it, it, it is sounds, a,
0: on the hook of a label would say.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like something a little self-important.
0: Like, well, you guys aren't quite ready for...
1: But I just remember, like, thinking an EP was, like, the next, like, logical step. And I think, whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we put out a full length that time, it wouldn't have been very good. Or maybe we would have it really written written. Awesome. We didn't have the, you know, we went we wrote the, the that EP in the kitchen, basically, and then went and recorded it. And yeah. It was great. But for what you created for us was a, a place... In, in Chicago, it was a place that we can go. It became our second home, uh, where totally. we still play in front of so many people there and have so many yeah. friends there. But that was like when we came there, it was the fucking coolest thing ever. You guys had G Man, yeah, and we'd go there. You'd let us drink for free all night, and we had to meet all these like huge bands that we loved forever, and we'd be like running back and forth between. The four AM bars and, and yeah. Metro itself, and it just wait till the old owner thing. of Gingerman
1: hears about this shit. Yeah, hey, well, hey, sorry, I remember. Uh, I I rarely have had the honor and privilege of getting underage people into a bar, <laughs> um, and I'm not advocating for the uh, delinquency of minors here.
0: Yeah, the statute of limitations on letting and getting a 20 year old drunk has got to be. Yeah, but Greg over. Was, Greg
1: was like 19, I think.
0: Yeah, 19 or 20.
1: Uh, yeah, it's cool. Chicago has been, um, is I my opinion, the best music scene community in the world just in all the bands that we've ever uh had passed through the highlight halls of red scare they've uh, sold out like whether it's bottle rocket cobra skulls you guys I'm trying to think um the first shows they sold out aren't in their hometowns it's in chicago yeah and that speaks uh to like chicago as, as a music community and just a lot of great people out there uh raging drunks um but good hangs. It's uh, the
0: best. You guys create it. It's like uh, something that I've only started to realize or started to actualize now that I'm older and realizing that the this whole idea of a scene or like a, a being in a particular place at a time where all the same people are into it requires the work of people like you and the bands that were in Chicago and those people. It's like there's always, you know, the, the, the perfect storm of uh, whatever opportunity and like a certain band or a certain venue opens up. But you guys really created like, a taste of, of a kind, you know?
1: A little bit. I mean, I, again, uh, the vast majority of credit goes to the bands who are like getting people out. But the, the, the next group is the good people of Chicago. I mean, I can, I mean like the McConnell sisters. I mean, everybody that comes out, uh, there's, there's a list. Like, I mean, we the, those shows would be so great. The red scare present shows we do at beat kitchen and stuff like that. And uh, it's a credit to all those people who, who come out and support. Um, and in a way, it like kind of spoiled me a little bit, um, because you know, with the things that are happening in in the underground music scene now, uh, be it like the Me Too stuff or just like a real house cleaning and a, and a uh, temperature taking of everything, um, Chicago was pretty good at self-policing that stuff already. Um, there were a lot of there was a lot of uh, diversity and inclusiveness already in the scene, um, and it was a very healthy community. And there wasn't a lot of the shit. When I hear about some of the shit that goes on in some of these other places, it's like, oh, that that that's dark. That sucks. Um, in Chicago, um, we were kind of buffered from that. It was a really uh, it it still is like a great scene in that respect too.
0: Yeah, it's a, a beautiful place. It's almost I think mean, for us from being out of town, it was like. There was a whole group of you were like a sports team and you went there and people were just rooted for you yeah. altruistically. It was yeah. like uh,
1: I will say this it's it does not without its its downsides because I mean, every band will tell you like leaving Chicago the next day is a fucking bummer because your shows wherever the next town is whether it's Detroit or Minneapolis or yeah it's like
0: it's either a hall of a drive first like' It's a it's bit really of a cold, drive and the show's yeah. gonna be you yeah. know I love Minneapolis and the people who come see us there are also fantastic but yeah. the show's gonna be nothing like Chicago
1: yeah best case scenario you're in Madison or something <laughs> it's <laughs> but yeah people when people leave Chicago you can tell it's like yeah. oh, for shot.
0: us more than ever often it was a day off. Always, because we'd be like, well, right. we're not gonna go and play, you know, a sold-out show at Metro, and then do something else the next day.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, so it, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how we started on this journey. Was it started at the fest, um, and that was yeah, over ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, we've done a few singles and records and shit like that, but um, um, yeah, I don't know. We've we done some traveling together. That yeah. was cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, you came to australia with us the first time that's right that take. was
1: like your that was like your severance pay for yeah me. It was... <laughs>
0: it's
1: like well you... so
0: we're signing to epitaph but we're but gonna take you to australia i
1: remember you i was in i was in call through germany i was upstairs in my cousin's house in germany and you called at like 3 30 in the morning and for whatever reason i answered the phone yeah and you just knew and you were like australia yeah dude to- i don't know it by the way for bands that are out there um don't take a guy with ever, no skills, touring skills, or no like, there, there's
0: there's now, very, I, I impractical, would, very
1: impractical, very uh, impractical expenditure. Yeah, I'm gonna
0: diver, <laughs> diverge away from that a little bit. You were extremely helpful. We were on a, a festival tour, so a lot of this yeah. stuff was uh, on a, somewhat of an autopilot. Like, if you disappeared, they would have dragged us to each, we would have made our way there or whatever. But you yeah. did help solve very fundamental problems. Not most, not not least of which was the social connections that you already had in Australia. So some of the people that you introduced That's us to, true. like Rachel yeah. and Justin, Justin George, remain yeah. our friends for a yeah. like fucking decade. You yeah, know, like, yeah. uh, it's good to like have fun.
1: homies down there. There, there, there's some really good people down there for in sure. And how
0: fun was it to learn about bogan's?
1: Yeah, bogan's, uh, hooning,
0: hooning, all that kind of hooning, shit. Hooning, Which is like, uh, all that, no maney, doing manies is when you drive your yeah. car. But mooning is the also town.
1: like driving overly aggressive, like an asshole.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like, like it. you drive like a souped-up uh, Honda or something.
1: Or like how they call the pissers—that's the dunny.
0: The dunny. Yeah, or you drive I mean, a Ute, which is short for utility vehicle. Yeah. Cool. It's just like an even shittier pickup truck.
1: And I, and I got um, talk about like first world problems. Like, the next, uh, the next year, the Lawrence Arms took me to Soundwaves. It would have been nice if you guys could have coordinated where I had at least, like, a year in between, you know? Yeah, yeah. Instead, I had to go to Australia two years in a row. It's a real fucking... Real bummer. Yeah, yeah. real bummer. Uh, so, yeah, that's how we know each other, we still do know each other. I mean... Um... You guys play shows with some of our bands and we cross paths now and then. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i so glad that we still do get to hang out and still get to be, maintain a friendship. Yeah, it's funny that I ended up here in
1: Philadelphia, but that's neither here nor there. Is it time for the second question? Because I've got something for you, Tom.
0: Go for it! Hey, nobody's asked me a question yet.
1: Well, it's not really a question. I just brought you gifts.
0: Oh no, shit!
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, and it's not so much gifts. It's that I'm moving out of the country and I gotta get rid of some shit. Ah, sure, sure. So, but it's cool stuff though. Nice. Um, oh, I'm
0: so excited. So he's got a brown paper bag.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, for for listeners who can't see, yeah, uh, I did bring in my own notebook because I saw nice. you, you bought you you have a notebook. So I always it's like, have to have a notebook gonna, in front of me. You know, I'm bring a notebook
0: too, man. Nice. Do you have a pen? I got some good pens. Yeah, I got a pen. Oh, got go. so
1: yeah. Nice. We can can keep notes together. Uh, first thing I've got is a, uh, a Roman candle. Ye- How do you know me so well? <laughs> yeah, it's a Roman candle. Uh, that's illegal.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the reason why I got it's, f- it's legal now. Oh. To buy. Okay. Yeah. Here. In Pennsylvania, as a as a Pennsylvania. Look, uh, yeah.
1: That's from that. Uh, I think that's from the Carolinas somewhere in the oh south. Oh my God! Thank yeah. you so much. It's a cool Roman candle, and I I got that. Um, so. Uh, I got fireworks because when Donald Trump got elected, everyone was like openly weeping, and you know he's he was having a little too much power over us, yeah, as people. And my way of coping with that, and I suggest it to everybody: um, we all just have to kind of plan and look forward to the inevitable death of Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, he's gonna. Die. He's probably not gonna live that much no, longer. No,
1: he's gonna die of natural causes. By the way, if the FBI is listening, he's gonna die of natural causes. Yeah, uh, anytime now. And uh, what I what I tell people and what I do myself, I had a real. I went and bought a really nice bottle of champagne, and it was in my fridge the whole time these past few years. I never got to pop the cork. Yeah, unfortunately, because the motherfucker's still alive. But. Um, and I bought a bunch of fireworks, and I figured the day Donald Trump dies, I'm going to drink this nice bottle of champagne. I got these fireworks, so uh,
0: I, so I'm going to uh, propose to anyone out there who's listening to this that they do th- the same. Absolutely, not, not going to advocate the illegal purchase of. I don't, can I get in trouble if I say fuck it? You should just buy fireworks or whatever. I'm not going to say to celebrate
1: do that. any way you would like. Yeah, celebrate
0: any way you like, but grab a bottle of champagne and yeah, join so- us and we're, let's have a party when he, when he dies.
1: Get some bubbles, and I know that's like I'm
0: so stoked about this.
1: Yeah, sure, and I know that's uh, it's kind of like a callous it's morbid donald trump has brought Fuck that so much a shit cruelty and suffering to to a lot of good people and his passing can only be celebrated so there's that as your fireworks i gave the the bottle i had a nice bottle of champagne i gave it to eric jensen nice because um, again it, the the bummer is i never got to use them but yeah the point is we will get to party people so yeah we're gonna
0: party so hold hard
1: fast uh, that reminds
0: the, when, uh what's it remember when um was it crass or chumbawamba Whatever released a record that uh, they have sold an EP that only got shipped when Margaret Thatcher died, and then when she died, I oh, wow. got it in the mail. Wow, pretty funny.
1: Yeah, there's a couple packets of black cat. Oh, oh, the good yeah. shit, hell yeah. yeah. Um, Beyond fireworks, I also got uh, more contraband. It's all contraband, Tom.
0: Oh, I love it. Oh, is this what I think it is?
1: Uh, it's boozy chocolates. Nice it's chocolate with uh, cognac in it.
0: This is amazing.
1: You can't you can't buy this shit in America. Do you, do
0: you know what that uh, is, is? It because it, it resembles candy.
1: Yeah, because you're so not supposed to put booze with candy.
0: That's you know, dumb and, rule. And it's is this uh, you know that in German zart flashing? Is, uh, is that just like... a
1: flasher? Yeah, I assume it's some sort of cognac. Yeah. Um, but it does oh, say it's a, it's a it like does a say Vollmilch uh, so whole milk chocolate,
0: which we also don't get here. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. Um, so that <laughs> ah, thank you so much. Yeah, so, we so yeah. that's boozy chocolate, also uh, forbidden in America. Um, you know, when I bought a bunch of that shit to give out as gifts, you know. Uh, the people at, like, at the st- uh, the store in Germany that's like, oh, you know, can't take that back to America with you, you know, because it's um, illegal. In I know what they're doing. They're yeah. They're busting my dick about, like, oh, you can't take our dangerous chocolates back to America. It's some sort of statement about, oh, you guys have machine guns over there, but God forbid you take our fucking chocolate yeah, back Yeah totally. And so,
0: uh, you would know, as a German, uh, or as growing up in a German family, you'd know much more than I do. I've been there a bunch of times, and I, there is, like, a... A, a ribbing passive aggressiveness that the Germans oh, sure. just love to hand yeah. out to Americans. They just yeah. fuck.
1: And up. I mean, rightfully so it is kind of, I mean, they're, you, if, if some aliens landed here and they were like, these motherfuckers can't have alcohol in their chocolates, but you got this fucking <laughs> SKS everywhere. Yeah.
0: Or you can't show uh, titties on screen on television, but you could chop someone's head off.
1: Yeah. And for my final gift, also contraband, uh, a Cuban cigar. Ah, uh, yes.
0: yes. I'm so excited. The
1: Romeo y Julieta, that's one of the name brands down thank there. Thank you so I mean, much. Yeah.
0: I, I, this is amazing. I got I'm going to a bachelor party uh this weekend and I'm going to bring this Cuban cigar. And yeah,
1: smoke it. you bust out a Cuban, I uh,
0: think you're Everybody will think I'm so cool. Yeah. And I will be. Yeah. Oh, wow, it smells really good. So awesome. So, thank you so uh, much. Fuck yeah.
1: Yeah, I figure um a little contraband's good for you, good for oh, the yeah. soul. So
0: you went to Cuba uh, before it was kind of like Instagram. Uh, yeah, before Instagram. Yeah, before it was an Instagram vacay.
1: Yeah, I did, and it was the it's the coolest place I've ever been. Havana is the coolest city I've ever been, and I if there's one thing that I would like to impress upon uh, the listeners of what's your podcast called Future Future Fr- Friday? Do yeah.
0: we do we intro this correctly? Uh, I'm gonna do an intro after you leave. Okay. And uh, put all right, look, music. listeners,
1: of, listeners of Future Friday, if you, there's one takeaway. Is you should go to Cuba as soon as you can before Americans turn into Disneyland, and that's nothing against Americans or Disneyland, but it's uh, a really awesome place. It's good for your spirit, I think. Hell yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't even fucking smoke cigars, which is why I've had that for nine years now. Yeah. I haven't even fucking you know. So. Party
0: brings it back just just because you can.
1: Yeah, totally. well, I figure. I mean, yeah. Also, it's one of those things that you you uh, you can't get anywhere else. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, Cuba. it's funny. One of the postal workers. Um, we talked earlier my only friends in this world are postal workers because you do mail order like i do day in and day out these i mean like i got my postal workers like they like come to my bar now we like chop it up i love that so much that's so great yeah um so brian anthony if you're listening man uh shout out to 30th and chestnut uh so yeah uh, one of my postal workers in chicago he was like oh yeah can i get a cuban i'm thinking of can can federal employees ask for, like, uh, Cuban contraband? I don't know. That's I don't, I,
0: I don't think they to... could probably ask for anything. Now yeah, they right. could be, though. They're not getting paid. Yeah. Somebody just brought up a good point. I think some air traffic controllers aren't getting paid. So right, TSA. TSA. Yeah. It's it's well, It seems, just seems like work.
1: perhaps a flawed plan to not pay the guy. I don't know. Yeah, oh we'll my. see.
0: We'll see. Uh, but, okay. yeah, go, go to Cuba. Uh, I remember you talking some of the parts of Cuba that always stuck with me that you said, because you went there before anyone that I knew went there. I, I think you said that culturally they weren't. Used to seeing people with tattoos,
1: totally, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, at all. Wow. Um, they they uh, there there was one time I saw one tiny vestige of punk rock shit, and it was uh, a guy wearing like a, a like a um, a bootleg Ed Hardy shirt. It, look, it was because it was all like bejazzled, yeah, had that kind like... of tattoo art shit, but it said. It was the Dead Kennedys logo, and it said, it, it was the DK logo, and it said, like, Dead Kennedys on there, but this guy was, like, clearly just, like, some, not a guy who was into rock and roll. Yeah, out. sure. It just looked like, all their shit down there is, like, Ed Hardy, because they, because the island is full of people from Spain and other places, you know? Yeah, that so makes they, a lot of sense. So they get a lot of their shitty Euro fashions down there. Yeah. Um, but that was the only time I saw anything resembling anything punk rock. And, of course, you think about it, it's like, oh... The dead Kennedys probably have a very different meaning for somebody who's Cuban, actually. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, probably. The, then it's just like a band. It's like this is this guy doesn't know this is like fucking a band ripoff or band. Yeah,
0: sure, sure. That's so, hilarious.
1: But yeah, you one one of the biggest takeaways I had was just talk to the people on the street, and they were the kindest. There's no there's no violent crime in Cuba. A part of that is unfortunately because of like a real totalitarian regime in terms of. Uh, your punishment like yeah. you steal a purse you're going to jail for 10 years it's like, yeah. ugh. like uh, as a result of that though no one steals any purses sure. um, so people are the friendliest place the friendliest place I've ever been and you know people come up to you and they would talk about like you know we don't have cell phones and laptops you know but we've got our family and our music and you know we're we're just as happy as you are and it's like uh, God damn it you know these yeah, guys totally. they're on to something
0: and you can see it you can see it everywhere yeah I think that there's also like I've never been there, but there's a bit of a rush. Everything has to be one or the other for a lot of people in terms of how they talk about things. So it seems mm-hmm. like there's a rush of people to uh, uh, kind of not talk about the fact that the person who steals purse goes to jail for 10 years. And that there's totally. like a lopsided society. Uh, yeah. You glorify the parts that are like. You
1: have to totally be careful not to romanticize like yeah. totalitarian government. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for us as a tourist to go there and everyone's like super cool to you because all the every tourism thing is. <laughs> state run yeah you no know? shit really yeah yeah. You, yeah, we took a tour across the island and, and granted you talk to people and you shoot the shit with them in bars and stuff like that and you kind of Get a little chest, into the truth, but you don't really know what the, what the fuck's going on in Cuba, even if yeah, you exactly. even if you live there for fucking ten days.
0: And uh, is it true that the old cars uh, are more prevalent because of the embargo right. on importing?
1: Yeah. yeah, of course. You know, uh, yes, but there was so everyone. So it just must
0: them. look look so strange, like look so nostalgic, if there's all people riding around sixty-five. Yeah. or I guess pre-fifty-nine. Uh, yeah.
1: What the way I describe it was like it looks like the road warrior meets uh new orleans you know <laughs> yeah sure like it, it, it's got that real uh colonial like caribbean vibe but every there is massive like decay on so many levels and that's not just because it's unkempt because the embargoes uh it's also because it's in the middle of, of like a, a pretty tumultuous body of water you know those houses that are on uh, on the water and shit like that there's that's inevitably is going to get decayed from the salt water you know yeah
0: like the so, cars in New Jersey, you talk about how the engines go. Yeah. The uh, It's funny, I, someone was mentioning to me recently, uh, you hear about the hurricane when it smashes into Florida and when it smashes into Puerto Rico sure. and stuff, but you all growing up in the 90s, remember it was like Hurricane Andrew, and I don't even know if that hit Cuba, but you right. would never hear anything of what happened to Cuba.
1: Yeah, they call them Tormentos, which is a way cooler name.
0: Yeah. Tormento. Definitely, a hurricane. I mean, hurricane's a pretty cool word, but Tormentos.
1: Yeah, yeah hurricane, yeah, all right, fair. I, yeah. so you've got yourself a Cuban cigar there I don't know maybe. yeah I can't
0: wait to smoke it this weekend uh, last time I smoked I smoked cigarettes for as you, you when you first met us we all smoked uh, heavily in the van in the yeah. house everywhere I quit probably I don't know, I'm just gonna guess like f- f- five years ago uh, and I smoked a cigarette recently and forgot that you get the big rush and it was like kind of fell into a, a table as was hammered <laughs> really? surprised yeah well not like pass out but it was like whoa wobble but uh, I'm really excited to see what happens when I smoke a cigar because I love nicotine man it's the Best,
1: yeah. I figure I'd give you some kind of legal shit. You know, one time you joked about uh, you're like, Yeah, man, I'm gonna send you a bunch of uh,
0: pressure cookers and American flags. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, this. a couple of copies of pocket constitutions. Oh, Just yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, the pocket constitution, <laughs> yeah, that'll show, oh, yeah. Them. but yeah, even all this uh, stuff that you observed in uh, Cuba, I always really. Uh, enjoy your genuine curiosity. You're really into, especially when we go to travel places. Like yeah. when we went to Australia that time, you were up every day early. Bomb, learn all the new things about the subtle cultural differences, whether it was uh, the geological differences, the environment. Then I really, really uh, uh, find that fascinating about you. Yeah,
1: I mean, we spend so much time traveling. You'd be. It's it's like I, I hear about a couple of bands who, are, who bands a band who has been to Russia. The shall uh, remain unnamed, and they're like, yeah, yeah. man. We went to McDonald's. It was awesome. Like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. Like, you know, people d- died over that that goddamn border. Now you... McDonald's, huh? You know, I, I'm not an especially or intelligent person, but they do say curiosity is a good sign of intelligence. So if nothing else, man, fake it. Uh, pretend to care about some shit. And look, look around and, you know, uh, the unexamined life is not worth living, that sort of shit. I, yeah, totally. It's fun. It keeps you engaged. And, I mean, I don't know, man. It's... it's, it's uh, it's stimulating, you know,
0: yeah, man. Could you uh tell us a bit about how it was for you to grow up? Because I always feel like every couple of years I find something new about your um, your life and uh, yeah, your time sure. at Fat Records in college, but even before that, right. up in uh, Enumclaw, yeah, Enumclaw, Washington, yeah, which so, is outside of what uh, Seattle,
1: yeah, it's about 40 miles south of Seattle, 35 okay. 40 miles south of Seattle, not very far really, but when it doesn't take long before you're like kind of in the boonies, if, you, if you're in Seattle. When you're going to Mount Rainier. I'm sure all your listeners are familiar with these two landmarks. Yeah. Um, if you were driving from Seattle to Mount Rainier, uh, Enumclaw is the last place you can kind of get gas before you like get to the try to get to the summit or the or the various viewpoints and shit up there. Okay, so um, it's actually pretty high elevation, but they call the area the plateau, so it's flat and there's a lot of farms and there's dairy and all sorts of shit out there. A lot of lumber. The lumber is curtailed uh, because. You know they certainly tried cutting down every goddamn tree. Yeah, um, but they realize that clear cutting is bad. Um, we uh, b-
0: saw some clear cutting when I w- over the New Year's and uh, driving through Oregon. And it was I never seen anything like it. It was fucking crazy, it was bizarre.
1: Yeah, it's bad. It lends itself towards like landslides and all sorts of yeah. uh, bad forms of erosion. It's clearly bad for the air quality, all that kind of shit. Yeah, um, but yeah, Enumclaw is uh, it's a native word for uh, people. Uh, anglify. They, they misinterpret it. I, they always used to joke it meant "land of evil spirits." Um, it's not. I think it means bad winds. Okay. Because it's in a, it's in the part of the Cascade Mountain chain there that uh, there's like a, a, a channel that where we're like you get gale force winds that like whip through the mountains. Okay. And that's kind of why Enumclaw exists is because it's it's part of the bottom of the mountain pass. Again, to get up to the mountains or get through them, you can kind of go through this way. Um, so the winds consequently like come whipping through there, and the natives. Uh, it, it's also there's also a rain shadow there or whatever. It gets a lot of more precipitation and a lot okay. of bad winds. Strange that there would be a settlement there, but either either way, um, the First Nations kind of call it Enumclaw, and it's also next to the Muckleshoot Indian tribe. That's actually I think where where I'm from is whatever. It's it's right there. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, my parents immigrated to this country. From Germany, they're both Germans, and they first came to Jersey. They kind of dicked around in Alaska, um, and I was the only—I'm the only one of my my siblings that was actually born and raised in Enumclaw. As the youngest. Oh,
0: no I- shit. So your parents came over in the late uh, second half of the 20th century. Mm, 50s. 50s. Okay.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, 50s. My dad. My dad came here. He—I re- think he originally came through Canada, and he. Uh, my dad's been conscripted into multiple uh, armies, which is something. I <laughs> <You> find <laughs>
0: historical <laughs> figures where that happens. And you're like, what? Yeah, like that's, how? That's like
1: the that. that's the jag luck for you right there. Yeah. You can, right? I mean, and he, and he, he was lucky actually not to get uh, sent off to the French Foreign Legion, which is you know like you don't. It's like a mercenary corps. You don't yeah, you don't want to yeah. end up in the Foreign Legion. Um, probably cool uniforms and there's a lot of cool movies about it. But yeah, I think my dad came through Canada first. And then to the states, he got drafted and sent to the Korean War, and uh, I think it was after that that he met my mother in, in Jersey. And-
0: yeah, did he fight in the? He fought in the German army before that.
1: Uh, well, he sure did. Well, uh, that that's that's a that's a sensitive subject. Um, I, it's not. Yeah. So he was. Uh, my dad was born in 1930. Mm-hmm. Um and uh i don't know if you're familiar with the history of germany he would have been like
0: 15 at the end of the war he
1: yeah he was 15 at the end of the war so yeah and uh by by the time he was near the end of the war um yeah it's like looking at the bell curve like who's alive still yeah who can and um, who can hold a gun anybody who was over 70 was still around and like my dad and his and his schoolmates who were all 13 and 14 uh Yeah, and I I mean, I guess before I I can talk about like my dad being conscripted into the Third Reich, which is something I generally don't like to talk about because people have people have a lot of preconceived notions about this. I should preface this by saying my father was like the most progressive, like outspoken, like liberal I've ever met in my life. I would say maybe that is in no small part to the fact that he was raised in a fascist regime. I don't know uh, if that. I mean, I know that he was vehemently. Opposed to war, all forms up until the day he died.
0: I'm sure. Um, so Dude, Jesus much Christ. The kid's 15. They give him a gun. He's everyone yeah. who knows that's older is fucking dead.
1: Yeah, I mean, he started uh, having to do stuff. He was making uh, 88 shells at a younger age, like probably 12. 88 is a
0: yeah, it's a big. Uh...
1: It's an 88 millimeter. Um, they used it for anti aircraft, and they used it in Panzers and shit like that. It's it's sort of the the the, the Germans were wise to have all of their uh, artillery be the same format it was, it's all the same bullet you know yeah same shell they could use it for everything it's universal like that um he, t- he would tell me that as a kid he had to like flip over 88 shells when he was like 12 years old so as, as, he, as he's getting older him and his group of schoolyard chums um ultimately got conscripted and forced to uh, fight on the western front and you say no one ever actually handed my dad a gun um which is interesting because at least they could do is give you a gun, right?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I don't know, man. 15 year olds can't even drive. <laughs> Have you talked to a 15 year old recently? <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know what to say. You're like, wow, you are a child.
1: Yeah, no shit. I mean, yeah. we're getting dumber. No doubt about it. <laughs> so, yeah, he never had a gun heat. What he had was um, the old guy that was with him. Um, he was about, he, again, he was like 70. He was a World War I veteran. He had the machine gun, and my dad had to carry two boxes of heavy ammunition on each side of him. Wow. So he was sort of like a part of a machine gun like team. Like a mule. Yeah, a mule. Just a kid, and my dad was always bitching to this guy, and he was just like, "Man, when are we gonna shoot these fucking bullets? Man, you're <laughs> killing me with this shit." <laughs> and my dad, my dad would get very grim and solemn when he talked about how this what a mean cocksucker this guy was. Yeah. He'd be like, "Son, don't ever speak to me again about when we're gonna shoot these bullets. We're gonna shoot these bullets when I say so." And like he would like cuff him on the ear, and it's like yeah. he'd never question what. It's like, oh, uh, I mean, it it it's. My, my old man had so many weird stories about that, just weird time, uh, and we could go on about it. We won't,
0: because it's very boring. And it's also, it's his stories, and also, like I said, people... Um... That's extremely fascinating. Like, we go and talk to people. I've, I've had many late nights in Germany where you have a couple beers, and you talk to uh, your, my, our friends there and a promoter there about... World War Two specifically, and how they're what what happened, and how they reconcile that, or how you feel about that, and especially how you're viewed by Westerners. I mean, we totally. grew up watching Saving Private Ryan mm-hmm. and shit like that. So the ultimate bad guy that people don't feel empathy with is you. Just stick a fuck, you stick a Nazi in there, and you're good to go. You know, like uh, yeah. And in reality, I'm not. You know, anybody listening to this is intelligent enough to know that I'm not uh, going to uh, talk about the Third Reich and its principles and methods in totally. some kind of glorious way. But these were just people who worked on farms. Yeah, uh, and were conscripted into an army to fight someone that they were told was trying to kill them and was going to kill their family.
1: Yeah, you didn't really have much option. I mean, it was truly kill or be killed. That's something my that's an analogy my old man would always go, Well, it's kill or be killed out there the football game, you know, shit like that. I was like,
0: yeah, his no. is layers, layers <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sentiment. But he would
1: he would use that analogy all the time, and he really didn't have a choice. And again, there is no apology to be made. Uh, like Germans will Germans, there there is an anti-German sentiment in this country. And in this world, and as far as I'm concerned, it's like well warranted, you know. I mean, you, you, it's it's the same thing. Americans will have to deal with the blowback of our imperialism, you know. Everywhere, everywhere. And I mean, as someone who's we've been all over we the don't world, no. And yeah, but you you hear about it. you you meet people from other countries, and the uh, American reputation is is has diminished even in our lifetime, and it's yeah. only and after this fucking little spell, um, it's only going to get worse. I mean. Uh, I'll try and stay on the top, but I'm moving to Grenada, which is a country that we invaded in the 1980s, you know? Yeah, most people
0: don't know about that. I would would, would reckon to bet that most of my immediate family doesn't have any idea. Uh, I'm sure my dad dad probably remembers, yeah. yeah. But uh, they're just like, Grenada, what, Reagan? Yeah. We talked to some people in uh, Costa Rica uh, when we played there, and they talked about— Yeah, one of the guys was older, and he said, remember when the Grenada thing happened, there was hundreds, if not thousands, of U.S. helicopters had flown over part of— Costa rica. costa rica during that uh, operation and it was like he was like what the fuck's like one of his earliest memories and i was like damn can you imagine all for uh, you know just nationalizing was it a well
1: bank? no the grenada invasion uh they they actually already had like a leftist government and you understand the time uh castro had a lot of momentum and um, bolivia had leftist governments and these were pretty far left they already had a leftist government and um there was a far left extremist government. Um, it's a movement called the Jewel Movement, I believe. It, it's it, anyhow they were trying to take it one step farther, even be, beyond like what Che Guevara was suggesting, all this kind of stuff. And the current leader at the time had left the country for some sort of summit, came back, and they assassinated them. And it was it was a it was a violent coup um, by some extreme uh, by this extreme like fringe party. And I will say this, and I say this with a caveat that like I'd like to wait until I live down there and talk to some people about it. Sure. This is one of maybe the few American incursions that I can think of in recent history that actually had positive results. It was maybe justified.
0: Yeah, I will have to read more about it for, and I would love to hear what you learned about it too. Yeah, because uh, I, I just assume that every Banana Republic-style invasion was on the behalf of Dole or a fucking yeah, right, yeah, you know, some, some sugar company. company, Chiquita, yeah,
1: yeah, and uh, there could have been something behind that too. And again, I, I'm going to reserve judgment until I get down
0: there and talk yeah, to some hell Yeah, but that's really,
1: yeah, I mean, the world is a fucking. Fucking weird place, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So you grew up in a uh, in a large German family um, that immigrated. You usually, don't know that many, most of my friends who are here from like first generation are usually like uh, either Italian, Irish, or uh, say from South America or something. You don't really yeah. to run into many other like Western Europeans. Yeah. And it's uh really fascinating to me. It's cool.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I can't say enough about like the sacrifices that my parents made. I mean, the least of which, again, my dad coming over here, <laughs> having to. To fight against the Americans against his will, and then coming over here and having to fight for the Americans <laughs> like only a couple of years like, <laughs> I mean you, you can't guy couldn't catch a break.
0: No, uh, and then get especially to, in the Korean War like geez, that's where my uh, grandfather fought. Yeah, uh, and
1: it, it's it's miserable in Korea. Was, and my dad would say it's a hot, it's a cold, it's whatever. Yeah, uh, and my my mother, you know, uh, like the kind of things that our parents did to give me even just a fair shake uh, at life here. You know, you as every day you get older, you start you appreciate it more and more. You don't really realize it when you're a shitty kid, but and when they're around, yeah. You know, but uh, but yeah, they came over and they immigrated here. My dad, he again got drafted in the Air Force. He was a machinist. Um, you know, we lived on a farm. My mom passed away when I was about a year old. So I was I was just thinking about today. I was like, oh, I'm I think I'm older than my mom was when she passed on, which means, you know, my number could be up. It's a good thing we're doing this podcast now, Tom, yeah, because right? I'm going to be around.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that your mom passed so young. I mean, that's like a heavy, that yeah. thought of your mortality now, realizing that you uh, are possibly older than your mom was. That's yeah, it's chance. strange.
1: I will say, like, and everyone's always all my life has apology. It's like, oh, it's, you know, it is the polite. It's I, I've i never known uh, a mother and that is, that's a, such a strange, shitty thing to say, yeah. but like, I've, I just, I've only had, uh, my dad in my life the whole time. And that's not to say I, I, you know, think that my sister was 16 when I was a born, uh, when I was okay. born, she took a very active role in, um, in, in raising me, uh, whether she wanted to or not, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I was not a planned pregnancy. I got a thing cause my siblings are so much older than me, you know? Um, But, you know, who really plans anything in these days?
0: Yeah. When we were younger, one of my brothers listening to this, used to tease my youngest sister say that she was an accident. One day my mom finally stopped and turned around and was like, no, you were the accident. Everybody was like, oh, shit, dude.
1: Yeah, well. That's what he gets for being a dickhead. He brought it on
0: himself. Oh, yeah, he certainly did and I love him to death. Uh, So you ended up what was how'd you find punk rock up there in in, uh...
1: in the farm? Yeah, I um, guess at
0: that time you're so close to Seattle. Uh, uh, there had been like runoff.
1: It doesn't matter where where you are. I don't think um, at that time it's just it's so weird how the internet didn't exist. Yeah. Um, so as a kid, my brother's uh, best friend Bob Wolf, he's the guy that turned me on to punk rock. I like we I, I looked up to my brother's friends so much because um, they were just cr- they were crazy. They were good soccer players. They were cr- they were, you know, but Bob had like wild hair and like skulls on his shirts and a couple tattoos. I'm like, this fucking guy's out of his mind, you know? (laughs) He's still a good buddy of mine. We uh, still play Dungeons & Dragons together whenever we can. (laughs) Nice. As you should, as you do. Uh, But Bob had these mixtapes, and he he was in the service. He's stationed over in German Ashy, and he was in the service, and he had been exposed to, like, he had these mixtapes, and I remember the first punk bands I listened to, I was, like, 11 or 12, and it's, like, all the classics, you know, Naked Ray on Misfits, The Clash, so uh, cool. Dead Kennedys I mean And it was It was just a mix of Ramones obviously Sex Pistols But just Just uh, Dub tapes And that's kind of It's so weird to think about That when I first heard Punk rock it, it was It was already 1987 or something And so The first wave of punk Those All those bands were gone They were all gone Yeah And so I Like it was such a, a Piece of history That was gone It was It was complete uh, It was lore At that point You know and, um, only when I heard Green Day on the radio, I was like, this shit sounds like, like the Ramones. Amazing. And I, 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 was kind of like pissed about it. I was like, these fucking guys are, you know, I mean, I didn't know anything cause I thought punk, rock, I was like the only kid in my school that had ever heard of punk. I shit you not. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, there was the grunge resurgence a little bit. There was also a community radio station that played, um played a lot of shit you know that this is when grunge did come in yeah um and uh it's pretty cool but like to me before you had the internet before you had any access to anything i couldn't you, there was no records around or anything you only through tapes and shit and you know obviously we get wistful and nostalgic about how oh it's better back in the day sure know? but um
0: it was, it was less democratic that's for sure. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You didn't get a choice. Like, yeah, oh, you, were you like, this is what here, you could listen to. This is the Dickies. Here's yeah. your,
1: here's your punk band. You know. Right.
0: That's what I loved. Uh, once in a while, you'll you'll find or talk to somebody who has a a huge love for like a really niche band that you wouldn't expect them to. But it was because oh. as that car, that CD was stuck in their car for right. six months or something like that. Yeah. I remember, we did the same. We would look at. Uh, it was a little bit bigger where we were at, and there was more. Um, some record stores, and we're only you know an hour and a half from New York and two hours from Philly and stuff like that, so you'd be able to go see shows. But I remember, we would look at the stuff that the older kids had painted on their jackets. And right. You'd go to the record store and buy that record, and then.
1: Well, everyone always says this. Uh, the thanks list is one where that you was would, huge. You man. would always yeah. I mean, I always it, look at the thanks list. It's like who, the vandals were always thanked.
0: Yeah. Every <laughs> every band thanked the goddamn vandals.
1: <laughs> Must be, those guys are pretty nice guys, so maybe they should be thanked. Yeah.
0: That's so great. So you, uh, you um, heard that shit, and you were hooked then.
1: Yeah, I, I love punk. I mean, I was a, I was a bad kid, and I don't know if the two have anything to go with, with each other. But no, be, definitely but, not. But look, <laughs> um, my, I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm in any way a minority. I'm a fucking white dude. But like growing up in an, uh, totally all. I mean, the fact that my parents like talked funny. I did. I never really did identify with like the overculture and the kids, and I knew that they kind of fucking like would make fun of my dad and shit like that. Yeah. And, I, and I, I totally never have identified, and I, 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 don't know if if being a first generation is puts that in my DNA. But I'm sure it's part of it. Yeah, sure. And um, yeah, you know, I was, I got arrested when I was like eight years old. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I. I st- Last I checked, I still hold, held the record for uh, disciplinary citations in at Westwood Elementary School.
0: Wow, damn. Yeah, I I um I was. Can uh can I ask you what you got arrested for? Or is it not a good story? Pretty stupid. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know, it's like I was in the back of a car and they were fucking reading my rights. All this kind of shit, like <laughs> all this shit, and it's like a little much, officer. You yeah, know, in right? hindsight, you know, what's funny. Just I just wanted to
0: scare the shit absolutely. out of you. Absolutely,
1: and yeah, I I fucked up this uh. Uh, 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 playground teacher's car which is so stupid <laughs> it's uh, the worst if I could if I could go back and I, I should it's like a determinate I should go back and kill myself it's right. such Some a rotten... teacher's
0: just got, got all these little kids you gotta take after you just fuck a car up
1: yeah and I mean uh, I I have theories on why I was such a rotten little son of a bitch it probably didn't help that like my dad was a machinist and I, I mean I w- was raised by wolves kind of you know yeah uh but it's just like not giving a fuck and just being an ass all the time. But I like, I remember I was I still got like paddled by my principal and shit like that. Yeah, know? no shit. Fuck
0: yeah. It, yeah. So Talk I got a, a quick generational disconnect. There was a hard line stop to uh to totally. that shit for yeah, it was, a little bit. It was
1: Mr. Slay. And yeah. his name was spelled S L e-i-g-h but maybe it should have been s-l-a-y you know what i'm saying he was and the funny thing is about both those guys about getting by my principal mr slay and the fucking cop that arrested me (laughs) at age eight uh was that like (laughs) they both use this fucking term they're both like well i'm not gonna hem and haw with you you know i mean what does
0: that mean
1: (laughs) who the fuck are you talking to like i'm eight years old what is this like like, you're not talking to Ulysses S. Grant. Is that or some like a
0: synonymous shit. with bullshitting? Like, you it, It's
1: like wasting your time. I don't, I believe it's, I believe it's a term of like sewing. It's like a, you're a hem a and hemming, hemming. and yeah, you're and your jeans. Yeah. Or you're just like fucking off in your sewing circle, like chopping up, killing time. I yeah, don't know. Okay. But this okay. was, and ever since those days, I've been using it all. <laughs> that, really like I've heard you say that before. Yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and hem and haw with you about oh, this shit. But yeah, they both. Use, it's, it's a something that uh, figures of authority like to bust on. Yeah, uh, on children. I love
0: that. If that's all you took from that, that it's worth it.
1: Yeah. So uh, I don't know what we're talking about, but yeah, I grew up in this fucking in the woods, and I was kind of you know raising a little bit of hell. I got into punk rock. Um, and it's funny when grunge came along at the same time you know when we were freshmen in high school it was all the, it was all country music and they hated us they like hate... Garth Brooks kind of country yeah, music yeah absolutely garth definitely just pretty much you said it garth brooks okay and uh like sh- yeah shitty 90s country and i wasn't even like a punk kid i was like, a soccer player but in their eyes i was still some like Waver queer guy, you know, yeah, like because totally. you weren't because you didn't have. And the thing is, I actually grew up on a fucking farm.
0: You know, I like. And these kids weren't actual farmers. Oh, they all like live. The, yeah, they're the, you people know. People did that where I grew up too. People would have like not front, like Southern accents, but they would have drive a pickup truck and they'd be really into country. But they were like go
1: back to the cul-de-sac.
0: Yeah, or they're just they're like the you know the grandsons of coal miners. They're not fucking country people. Yeah, farmers. that's a
1: thing. That's a thing that actually happens in the sticks, and you can tell, like you know. They, they, we call them. If you're really from a farm, you call their, they always have these big trucks and you call them the pavement princess, you know? So this, (laughs) this is your city truck is just for show, motherfucker. But I mean, again, I never had a truck. I don't like trucks. I generally don't, I'm not into fucking rural culture and shit like that. But either way, uh, yeah, uh, from there, uh, yes.
0: So you you, you, you mentioned that you were a soccer player as well while doing the punk rock thing. Um, and clearly you also, even though you, um, or shall we say delinquent? I'm sure he kept up at least some good grades or was able it to was, pass going. If it
1: was only soccer, my brother was our coach. My brother was a really good soccer player. Nice. And he, um, I, thankfully, he'll never listen. To, uh, he probably will. He's, he's a big fan. My brother really, really saved my ass going through high school because I, I don't know what else I would have done. You yeah. Know? And I did keep my grades just above 2.0 so I can so I could uh, play soccer. And it's funny because I, I got into a really nice college. Uh I had a nice SAT score and all that kind of shit. But, like, this is crazy. When I graduated my high school class, there was, I think, we had a class of 307, and my class rank was in the 300s. I was one of the absolute worst students.
0: And they in, brought you down to Berkeley.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was a clerical error or something. Somebody, <laughs> somebody fucked something up somewhere along the line. But, uh, but yeah. So, when we, but, but to get to grunge, like, freshman year, we were all a bunch of kooks if you weren't like a hick. Okay. By the time By the time Pearl Jam breaks by junior year, like all the jocks and assholes and hicks were getting like fucking Pearl Jam tattoos. And no shit. shit. It yeah. was such a weird turnabout in in such a short time. Damn, Where, and
0: I can imagine uh, geographically there that would be like some. You're yeah. so close to Seattle, it's got to be like that's who I am.
1: Yeah, you're you're in the eye of the storm at that point. You kind of thought that. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, grunge did kind of take over the country, anyhow. But yeah. Um, it's it's interesting because that was the one and only time. If you want to talk about industry and, and radio trends, it's the one and only time an alternative format radio station was the number one in the market. Wow, it was the station at the end, and they were playing. Every, they were playing all sorts of. They were playing Fat Records bands. You know, so cool. In the number one nation, uh, uh, station in the in the market, and it, it's sad that like nowadays you, there is no variety in 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 radio. But anyhow, I digress. Uh, yeah, the grunge boom happened, and
0: uh, yeah, and you got out. Then, I get
1: out. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't like grunge. I didn't like college rock. So I always preferred a little more the um, aggressive and sort of message-minded music that, that is punk rock.
0: Yeah, I love that. And then we could, like you say, it's so easy to go back and make. It was better then. It was better then. But the, a lot of the that kind of message-minded, uh, that term specifically in relationship to music, seems to be a little bit gone now. Um, or at least not as uh, easy.
1: Yeah. Well, it's when people talk about EDM stuff, it's like, I remember fucking, when DJs were first, like, like DJ show. oh, it's so subversive, it's so counterculture, it's like, is it, and they say the same shit about EDM stuff now, I, it's like, I don't know, whatever. Well, it mean, could be. I guess, who am I to fucking say right? but Yeah,
0: I don't know, gave up on trying to trying to know it. Yeah. Yeah, so you were down, uh, where you were at Berkeley, that's how you met up with the fat people?
1: Yeah, I did a little um, bit of community radio when I was uh, a teen, at KGRG, I sorted myself out um, a KGRG, and I did a lot of radio stuff. And I—it's funny, actually—I interned before I ever. did I don't know if I ever. If I, ever I interned at Grand Royal. Uh, it's a label that was the Beastie Boys label in the oh, 90s. Yeah. And they had, like, Luscious Jackson and Butter Wh- Where did you do that? It, I was just a regional intern. Oh, ah, okay, I, cool, Yeah, cool. I was just, like, remotely working and postering shit up and taking promos to people. and That's awesome. Yeah. It's like yeah. a street team kind of. Uh, yeah, but... yeah totally. I shouldn't even say regional. Total street team, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I did that. That was, like, my first kind of, like, uh, foray into the... I mean, also, I was DJing and playing music and shit, too, as a teenager. But... Um, uh, yeah and I had a hookup at fat and I interned there when I was going to school at Cal and uh, they liked me enough to where they they hired me um, and I think they regretted it not long after um, No <laughs> I was be, right? I was a really nice intern but like you know go, being a fucking 21 22 year old at fat records like that was uh, it's pretty live.
0: Oh, I'm sure that's like uh, that. I mean, when we used to look at the way that we still look at fat. The way. We used to look at Fat and Epitaph and those uh, bigger punk labels from when we were back east was like, that's that's the shit. You know, if I like just knowing that you'd work there and you started Red Scare and knowing all these different people and talking to them was such like a. it was a whole world and it is still like a whole open like uh, it's like legendary.
1: A little bit, yeah. Um, especially I can you hear that more from people who are in the Midwest and the East Coast, the way they just kind of look at that. It just seems like a thousand miles away, and it literally is, you know, yeah, yeah um, quite literally. People deify that whole thing, and it's just hard for me to, to you know, because, again, I was I, I, I interned there, I, I did mail order, I signed bands, and to me, it's just like. It's like
0: uh, well, you experienced it and saw it for what it what it really is, and I got to shape what it is for me. Yeah, completely.
1: There, there's a couple. I know they've they've tried to document stuff like that. Um, there's like a, a documentary, and I haven't seen it, but uh, you know, like I know they didn't even interview like Brian Archer, who was the first and longest tenured employee there, and it's like shit like that. I it's it'd be hard to really um, to get the, uh, the warts and all truth about Fat Records. Yeah. Um, because it'd be fucking probably fucking boring to everybody except for a handful of people,
0: <laughs>
1: and also uh, it would probably um, shine a light on some uh, illegal activity. I don't know. I mean, yeah,
0: you know, hey, it's, that's how that's the, you have to wait another ten years before you can do the documentary. Right? Oh, Okay, yeah, cool. But uh, yeah, so people like uncles and aunts and shit like that always when you find out you're oh you're in a band that's all you've done like we've been professionally been in band since like put professional in air in air quotes because we just they didn't have all their jobs um since 2011 or 12 and it's become pretty awesome but the first question they always ask is like well what's all right so does your label do that does your label do that what's your label do this and I'm trying to explain the function of a record label and it's changed so much and you mm-hmm. know we could go we could talk about this for fucking hours yeah. but I, what i usually try to describe is the what original like um Advance deals went with a record label. It was like you get a loan. It's like you're getting a loan from a specialized business to start your own kind of business. Almost, it's like yeah. we give you this loan at this perpetual interest rate forever, but all of these resources are available to you when you get it. So yeah, so like you get X amount of money to make your record, and then you pay that back by selling copies of that record. And then after it's paid back, you share the profits. Yeah, for it forever. well,
1: I mean, people generally don't even do advance. I mean, I don't. Advances are kind of a bad idea. If, if you look at look at what it did for Guns and Roses, or whatever, yeah, just you know? to
0: the traditional record uh, deal is like, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, like we pay for recordings and shit like that because, and we're lucky people to, to do that. But yeah, you're right. It's like you get a loan, and like, what do you do with the loan? Well, you live off that for six months, and you can, and you, in that time, you, theoretically, you're you're creating your art, yeah, um, and you're paying the bills, and you're not you're focusing on your craft. What you're taking those resources from the advance to do that. Um, People never fucking do that, you yeah. know. I mean,
0: <laughs> it, it got. I think that we. So we've been at the ass end of the, the very yeah. beginning of lots of, uh, the switch from digital mu- to digital music. So mm-hmm. there's not as much money getting thrown around as there as there used to be. So we uh, most of the time, every time we've gotten advances, we and it didn't pass through our camp. It would be like, well, here's your advance it goes but right to the producer. here's the stipulations. Yeah, we're gonna make sure the producer gets paid so that the record gets done. Yeah, uh, and then you know you could get what's left over, but we don't even. It's not even going to go through your bank account. We're gonna, because I'm I'm sure they've been burned on more than one occasion by some lackadaisical artists.
1: Totally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't happen so much in the punk world, but yeah, you hear about the old days of fucking Cristal champagne and Lear jets and shit like that. It's, yeah, totally. I mean, I think what we got to do, we got to get all the aunts and uncles just to start their own fucking label.
0: That, that would know, solve like, it. Yeah.
1: You, why don't you? I don't know what we call it, but um,
0: mm. I'd be surprised at how probably good some of them would be at it and be like all yeah, the you rules know what? that we have they just throw those rules out they're you're just right like, well, yeah why would you do that yeah
1: you're right and i <laughs> yeah that's not to say that like what we're doing is anything no one else can do this kind of shit it's just like it's such a fucking boring process to have to ex- explain like the functions of of a label and a booking agent and all these kind of sh- shits it's like
0: uh yeah for what we our experience with with you is that we got to we recorded with matt yeah. who you were close friends with who is an incredible yeah. producer and uh, amazing uh he taught us a lot um and also we would tour with red scare bands all the time and we play yeah. red scare shows and you uh people who like those other bands would become familiar with our bands through your mailing and all that shit yeah yeah
1: i mean you, you definitely like lightning in a bottle with that chamberlain weights thing because i think you guys did that in like six days or it something. was fast yeah and I just remember you guys were, and Matt was all in on it too. Matt was up recording at three in the morning. I remember you being the only one in the control room and coming out every time. Like you, that thing got mixed in like half a day, and it sounds awesome
0: given yeah, the circumstances. Yeah. It was, you know? recorded so fast those songs, you bang them out. Yeah, we wrote them in the in Joe and Eric's room in the basement of uh, our old house.
1: Yeah, it's uh, inc- And I do remember you talking about like the first. I remember the first time I kind of hooked you up with. There was an actual tour offer that came through. It was Anti-Flag. We can we can reveal some of the names. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was an Anti-Flag show. And wasn't it Cancer Bats too?
0: Cancer Bats, Anti-Flag, us and Aiden. Aiden, that was it. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, I remember Margie sent the thing along, and I think maybe you guys played first of four. But we I was played like first of four. It was hey. the
0: middle of the recording, so we stopped halfway through the recording. We did oh. that Anti-Flag tour for five or six days, and then we came back and finished.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, and that was
0: like the first support kind of tour that we that did. That we had
1: done with like a proper agent. I kind of gave you guys a spiel like, look, you gotta kind of, um, you gotta go, you gotta, show to, yeah, time, you gotta you to, get to show up to in on
0: time. Yeah, uh, that's the big one. is to show up to. I mean, load it on ever.
1: Time. You know, and it's great. You're one of the things I loved about your band then, and you still elements of it now. But you guys were like rascals. You know, there's you're just. Kind of bandits the way way, you would.
0: Headline Bango. Sorry, all of our friends now, but Headline Bango's on stage, they're we're taking their beer. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was something cool at the venue that we needed. It would yeah. get a little sticky fingers. And it's
1: like this was this was a pretty big band. We got we got you on some shows, and I was like, whatever you do, do not fucking. You guys were all chain smokers. Oh yeah. And I was like,
0: You're such chain smokers. Do
1: not fucking smoke in backstage or on Antifly because I know they've got like issues with with smoke and shit. Like yeah, that. totally.
0: That was one. Uh, Nelty was their tour manager, I think, at the time, and Same we would right. stage dive every night. And one night, she could grab me because I was trying to go at a big stage. I was too. I was a little drunk, and she was like, "Get the fuck off." Yeah. The yeah, you know, it's like, oh, sorry, I'm fine. yeah. He doesn't
1: well, me. You know, you, you live and learn.
0: Yeah, and we learned a lot on that one. That was fun. Our friend Garrett came with us on that. Let's mm. that go. Cool. Oh, I, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, that I think about recently. I consider people like you and Kate to be mentors. Mind people that are oh, a little nice. bit older that know a about lot older life? in my case. I mean,
1: what? a lot older in my case. Kate, Kate is she's eternally young, but yeah. me, eternally, yeah, me not so much.
0: Yeah, well, you always bust my balls for being a, a bit of an older soul, but...
1: Well, but, that's just because you're wise. That's not, you know... Well, oh, The day will come when people start making fun of you for actually being old. That's yeah. that's different. Yeah. But go on.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, but what I would just say is I'm not used to having that many mentors uh, when you're in an industry like this because we don't really have bosses. Or you don't really have, like, uh, we don't go to church. You know, we don't really know uh, that kind of, like, shit where you have these older people that you can look up to. And I was wondering if you had any mentors coming up that, like... Uh, Besides, you know, like your brother, you mentioned. And yeah. And stuff like in college or after that or in the uh, music industry world. Like yeah, somebody You can call when you're fucked, you know? like
1: Yeah, call when I'm fucked. I mean, I will say uh, working for Fat Records, I mean, it's, uh, it's clear like where a lot of that stuff trickles down from. I mean, when my... So my mom died when I was a year old, but my father also passed away when I was like right out of college too. And I had no parents. And I remember very specific instances where Mike and Aaron... Would tell me in, you know, uh, uh, straight up that like, you know, you do have a if you ever need anything you can talk to us. You do have a family here, and that kind of meant a lot to a kid who's twenty two years old that didn't have any who lives a couple states away and didn't have a family. And I will always um, remember that and respect that and owe them for that. Um, And you know, Aaron has a lot of good karma uh, coming her way for that kind of shit. And that sentiment, they've always like kind of looked after me. They always refer to me as like, you know, the fucking, they're shitty adopted uh, stepchild, you know? Um, actually I made all that stuff there. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, they're, they, they were really, they, they were really good bosses to work for at the time. Um, you know, I had, we had full benefits and shit like that, you know. That's incredible. To think that, like, I, I, my next job was working for a corporate sports team, which was worth a billion dollars, and they had the same pract- employment practices as Walmart, basically. Wow. You know, you cut people so you wouldn't get benefits, where, you know, and I came from a place where, here's punk rockers who were looking after their community, you know, so yeah. pretty respectable situation. I mean, um, that version of Mike is like an almost an entirely different person that I know now. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean I can't really speak to like his uh, his, his whole steeze his antics of late but sure. I mean I'm still very good friends with all those people at Fat Records and Mike and Aaron I would I would say were mentors for certain at the time my formative years or whatever i mean they let me start a label while i was like for two years still running their website and that's doing so cool so, yeah but that's they had a cool vibe like that like there were people i mean everyone was like either you were doing a zine floyd worked at maximum rock and roll and everyone that chicken was in to me you know people were doing things outside the community it was very vibrant um it was cool that they sort of like fostered or nurtured that you
0: know that's really awesome
1: but yeah i guess they're 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 role models i mean uh, Mike Park is awesome and has, uh, never like stopped, uh, proving day in and day out that he, he's, he's an awesome dude. Uh, and you, you can have a viable, you can run a viable business and also be ethical at the same time. You know, you don't have to screw people over to, Yeah, totally. to have a successful business. I think that's cool. You don't need to exploit people in this, in this community. And Mike is a pretty good shining example of that. There are not so shining examples of that, but you know. What are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. What uh, what do you got coming up? What do I got coming yeah, up? Yeah, who's who's putting some? Who's putting we got some we got
1: up. records. Uh, we're gonna do this record from this Scottish kid, uh, Billy Liar. We Billy Liar. He's a he's a a vegan from Edinburgh. Good kid. Um, people speak very highly of him. I heard his his tunes. Joe McMahon from Smoker Fire like produced this record. Oh, cool. Helped him track it. It's really awesome. Good message. Um, it's I mean the the record is like full band stuff, but he kind of tours mostly by himself he's a good little shit we haven't announced it yet but um that's kind of probably the first thing um that band ramona who lives around here now yeah in philly
0: they just played our uh, charity benefit show that we do every right year and right right it. it was awesome
1: yeah totally uh ramona's great they're recording in february um make war is also recording right now um, there's a lot of bands on Red there's like 40 of them. There's a lot of bands on Red so, I gotta say. Um, probably doing the next Manzinger's Singer's record. Um, yep. yeah, I, <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck. I, you know, I've realized that I have been talking a lot. I, it's only only when you've only when I've kept you here for a couple hours, I'm like, oh, fuck. yeah, your voice it, starting to hurt. No, no, I just, I'm sorry, I fucking, I. Just, ruined your, your podcast. No,
0: this is fantastic. I, uh, we had some really uh, great conversations and I just find you as a, a eternally curious and uh, fascinating individual and I, I really enjoy your friendship. Oh,
1: that's sweet of you to say. You're one of the good ones too. I can't help be a little curious about this, the spice rack
0: Oh me. yeah, so if we we can't see it, you probably can't see it in the field of view on the camera either. But yeah, I've got a pretty pretty serious spice rack.
1: It's all like, uh, jankum and DMT. Yeah, that's what it's it is. All really, it's just uh, different. In there. Uh,
0: I'm trying to make a monoculture of a new strain of a uh, cubensis. So I'm working, you know. See,
1: you're not joking about that.
0: No, I am joking. I definitely don't. But do well, you know how
1: right. see, you know how like. Uh, you know you i do i'm interested when you're in junior high you know you buy that weed and it's actually oregano you know yeah. something like that up here you're oregano you crack it open it's probably actually weed it's probably know? actually weed. yeah, yeah. yeah. See, that's right. dangerous right. no uh thank you for the kind words tom i i thank you for all the words i mean like i love your songs a lot your your band has um has had continued success and like you've never let anybody down I'm really glad that we met that one time at Fest. and I'm glad we got those shots. I'm sorry we almost killed your friend.
0: Yeah, he's he's doing great. We just met up again after all these years, and they played with us in Atlanta. It was fuck like, great. Oh, cool. <laughs> Look, Mexico, one of my favorite bands, one of my, I think, most, uh, one of the most underrated bands out there.
1: Live to tale. yeah. yeah. Good. But I
0: would love uh, to get you on the record saying that you'd come back and do it again, maybe uh, a little post-Grenada. We'll just, we yeah, talk about we, we
1: got to do a post-Grenada. I mean... Uh, next time I'll let you do some more talking. Sure. But I mean, look, you show up with a bunch of contraband, a bunch of fireworks, and yeah, illegal got, chocolate and shit. You got, you, I, I get excited. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, that. I'm so fucking stoked about this. I can't wait to save this Roman candle until uh, Donald Trump dies, and then I'm gonna set it off on the roof, on my a. neighbor's roof, so that when I run back over to my house, they won't know. It which, will be. Which house to look it at.
1: will be like I know you're a big fan of Independence Day. <laughs> and um, But it will be the new Independence Day, man. Fuck yeah. yes. Hell yeah, it will there be. There will be fireworks every year. I'm not shitting you. I don't care how fucking morbid and, t- and classless it is. They're... I will all celebrate the occasion.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think on that note, we can. Uh, I think we Let's call goodbye. it. Let's call it. Thank you so much high for five? being here. Yeah, fuck yeah. All
1: right. Got yeah. It. Did, you, did you see that, folks, at home? That's yeah. a real high five. That for was you. a real one. All right. Thanks, Tom. Dude.
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Future Friday podcast. You can see what Toby's up to with uh, redscare.net and on social media at redscare. I want to thank Enjoy Co. Barber again for sponsoring the podcast. If you find yourself in the Portland area, make an appointment over at enjoycobarber.com or check out on social media at enjoycobarber. Um, again, I'm looking for a little bit of help. I'm looking to hire one or two people to help do the uh, engineering and audio, a little bit of post stuff, as well as some help with video work, if it interests you at all. Shoot me an email, tom at futurefriday.net. And thank you so much. Have a great, uh, great fucking rest of your life. Bye.